Hey, you may be seated. Uh, don't worry, the sermon is only going to be about 50 minutes, so uh, you, we, we will get you out of here in time. Hey, would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7? Matthew chapter 7, if you've been with us at Journey over the last uh, few months, you know that we started in the beginning of June in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1, and we've been working our way through the longest recorded sermon of Jesus that's found in the Bible. This is called the Sermon on the Mount, and so today we're going to get to the conclusion of that sermon. That's what we're going to actually read today. Before we get to verse 24, we're going to pick up in verse 24 in just a moment. Before we get there, I know a lot of you weren't here last week and so last week what we talked about was how an authentic personal experience with the grace of God should lead to action it should lead to obedience it should lead to doing that if we and you may you might say well what do you mean Ken you just said a personal authentic experience with the grace of God like that's a loaded statement what what in the world does that mean it means that if you have come to a place where you humble yourself and recognize, God, I can't do this. I'm broken, I'm helpless, I'm powerless, I'm sin-stained, I'm sin-covered. God, I don't have what it takes to have peace with you, to have relationship with you. I've tried religion, church attendance, verse of the day, all these things, but there's still something lacking God, I need you. And you recognize that God loves you through Jesus, through Jesus' death and resurrection. And you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Lead my life. I give my life. I surrender my life to following you. That in that moment, we receive the grace of Jesus Christ. We receive the forgiveness of Christ. He adopts us into his family. We're justified. That in God's eyes, legally, as if, as if we never sinned before, and we receive the Holy Spirit. This is what I mean when I say personally experiencing the grace of God. If you have experienced that grace, what we, what we read last week, the words of Jesus, was that it should now result in obedience. It should result. Not that we get this perfectly, but there should be a movement toward obeying and doing the things that God calls us to do. And so now we get to the last portion of Jesus' sermon, and he's going to give an illustration that reinforces this kind of obedience. So we're going to pick up now in Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 24. This is Jesus speaking. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So picture two houses. The curbside appeal might be exactly the same. Both seem attractive and clean and freshly painted, and they have nice landscaping. In fact, I was talking to my friend Kevin, who's over here, and he mentioned, he said, well, you know, if one of the houses spent a bunch of money on the foundation and getting that right, because don't you know that costs a lot of money? 
I remember when we first built on this property that God gave us here, we had rented for seven years and we had this property here. And and you know, it was $100,000 that we spent before you even saw anything, right? Foundations, infrastructure, it costs a lot of money. Kevin made the point, he said, if this guy spent a lot of money on the foundation, his house might actually not look as good as this guy's because this guy had more money to spend on the stuff that people see, right? I don't know, that was... That's really, I've been mess, that's been messing with me. I don't know, a little, little bit of uh, stuff going on there. Yet what, you might look at them and you might say, well, they look identical. But remain, what remains unseen is most important, the foundation. One has a foundation of secure bedrock. The other has no real foundation at all, just piled up sand. And for some time, the weather is ideal, and the diff- no, you don't even notice a difference because everything is cupcakes and unicorns and sunny skies, and we call that San Diego weather. It's not Ohio weather, right? But then the storm comes. And into every life, a little rain must fall. Some of you are going through storms right now. Everybody, everybody will experience the storm. Notice that the storm comes to both houses. Earlier, Jesus had said in the same sermon in Matthew 5, 44, he says it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Every person in this room will unfortunately experience horrific storms in life. You will experience trials and troubles and temptations and tough times. But Jesus says that one of these houses withstands the wind and the torrential downpour and the other collapses. So what is this all about? Well, it comes down to two builders and two different strategies. One builder puts blood, sweat, and tears into the work of excavation and moving bedrock into place, and Jesus calls him wise. Wise. He listens to Jesus' teaching, but his response is very interesting. It's different than the other man. He listens to Jesus' teaching, and he does something with what he hears. He allows the words of Jesus to change him. He begins to think differently about God. He begins to think differently about other people, even differently about himself. He begins to do the hard work of bringing his life into alignment with God's purposes. He begins to walk in humility and self-discipline. And can I tell you, this is is really the crucial issue, especially that we face in American Christianity. We we have an abundance, a plethora of, of ways to listen to teaching. We live in a time where if you say, I don't, I don't know how to get the teaching, the teaching is on apps, it's on podcasts, it's on YouTube videos. Right now, media, I mean, we have so many different access points to teaching. The issue is obedience. The issue is, do I hear the word of God and now do the hard work of bringing my life into alignment with God's word? So many of us want to live the way we want to live, and we ask God to bless us. And it's the other way around. It's saying, God, how do you want me to live we, we see how he wants us to live in his word, and then we begin to walk in alignment with that. See, the first builder recognized the truth of God's word, and he begins to just, he has this life prayer of Jesus, I wanna build my life on what you have to say. I might not always understand it. I might not always like it. But even if I don't like what you have to say, 
I'm gonna build my life on your truth. Listen, this is a place we need to come to a decision point of whether I like what God's word has to say or not, I'm gonna build my life on the bedrock of his truth. The second builder, he just lazily piles up a bunch of sand for a foundation and Jesus calls him foolish. In fact, the Greek word that Jesus uses is the word moro and it's the word that the English word we get is moron from this word. Literally, Jesus is calling this guy a moron. This guy listens to Jesus' teaching. He may be moved by Jesus' words. He may even experience some kind of emotion. But when he leaves the sermon, he never actually does anything with what Jesus had told him. He doesn't obey it. It doesn't move him into action. He may have good intentions, but he doesn't obey. He may even obey partially, but don't you know that partial obedience is disobedience? He builds his life on a foundation of sand. And my fear is that many of us, at least in seasons of our life, are building our lives on a foundation of sand. We build our lives on the sands of culture. We think, I'll just do what everybody else is doing. The problem with that is what is popular today might not necessarily be popular in 10 years. In fact, the older people in this room will tell you sometimes your head spin over what is popular and what is not popular and what is right and what is not right. Sometimes we build our lives, number two, on the sands of tradition. Doing something because I've always done it or my parents always done it or my grandparents have always done it. We've always done it this way. Now listen, tradition isn't necessarily bad. In fact, things often become tradition because they worked. But Jesus said this in Mark chapter seven, verse eight. He says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. A lot of Christians are holding on to traditions that aren't even in the Bible. We're just doing things because we've always done them that way. And listen, traditions are horrible foundations. A third third way that we build our lives on sand, the sands of reason. God has given us the ability to reason. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to use your brain. There's probably some people who aren't at church this morning that you wish you could say that to, right? Like, listen, reason is a gift from God. Common sense is a gift from God. It's woefully lacking these days. But here's the pushback. Sometimes what you think is not actually right. Proverbs 16, 25 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but how many times have you made a decision that you thought was reasonable, marrying somebody, accepting a job offer, making an investment, and what seemed like the reasonable choice ended up in disaster? That's because your reason isn't always infallible. You make mistakes. We are not as logical as we think we are, right? You cannot build your life on reason. Fourth is the sands of emotion, feelings. If it feels right, do it. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. There's, only a pro- there's, there's this problem with feelings. Feelings can lie. I lie to myself more than I lie to anybody else. My, my feelings sometimes tell me that things are going great when they're really not, and I just don't even know it. 
Sometimes I think things are going horribly when they're really not so bad. Feelings are important. We should pay attention to them, but we should not make our feelings a foundation or an authority in our lives. Judges 21 verse 25 says, in those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. People did whatever seemed right in their eyes. Whatever they felt like doing, they did. That was 5,000 years ago and it feels like that's describing our time, doesn't it? And can I tell you, things didn't end up well for these people who all were doing whatever seemed right in their own eyes. They created a horrible mess. One house remains standing while the other collapses with a mighty crash. So what was the difference? The difference wasn't hearing the word of the Lord. They both had heard the words of Jesus. The difference was one was obedient to the rock of Christ. We can appear like we've got it all together on the outside. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you know all the right songs. Maybe you know all the right times in the sermon to say amen. And yet we can hear without ever doing. We can be spiritually dead inside. So what about you? Are you building your life on the word of God? It's a choice you have to make. You have to make the decision, I am going to build my life on God's word, not on culture or traditions or reason or emotion. I am going to build my life on what God's word has to say. And I've mentioned this before, but I don't always agree with God's word. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that if you read God's word correctly, there should be moments where you go, oh, I don't like that. In fact, if you always agree with what you read, you're probably not reading it right. Right? His word is meant to bring correction and training and rebuke. I don't always like it. Listen, the word of God is not always convenient. It certainly isn't always politically correct. But you and I have to make a decision. I am going to side with the word of God. I'm going to build my life on the word of God, meaning I'm going to choose to act upon the word of God. Now, this isn't just sometimes we hear this and we go, oh, that means all the, things, all the bad things that I'm supposed to stay away. Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. But you know what? There's a whole lot more to it. In fact, in Jesus' own sermon, the sermon he started the sermon. We're, we're looking at the very last words of Jesus' sermon, but he started the sermon By saying, hey, how about we advocate for those who are poor in spirit? How about we try to emulate what it looks like to hunger and thirst for righteousness? How about we start putting individuals on pedestals who are pure in heart? How about about we move toward those who are meek, power under control? What about those who are merciful, who show mercy when it's within their rights to show vengeance? Jesus says, listen, don't just listen to this. Go out and let followers of Jesus should be the most merciful people on the planet. We should be the most meek people on the planet. We should be the most generous people on the planet. We should be the ones who are peacemakers on the planet. You go, wow, that, that seems, that's what Jesus has been advocating for. 
right? Yes or yes? What are you building your life on? I love how this sermon ends. It says, Matthew 7, verse 28, the very next word says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. I'm gonna close or move toward our conclusion today by reminding you of this, that Jesus is no mere teacher. He isn't just articulate and witty. It's not just that Jesus possessed this kind of charm or charisma. Jesus has authority. He is love. Yes, absolutely. Jesus is completely love. But he is also completely holy and he is completely just. And one day he is coming back and he will bring judgment. And I hear him on this mountainside looking at his followers saying, I love you. I'm not in a bad mood. I'm not telling you this story so that you feel bad about yourself. I'm telling you this story because some of you are building your house on the wrong foundation. And because I love you, I wanna give you this warning. Maybe you're in this room and you look at your house and it is a pile of rubbish. You look at your life and the winds have come and the rain has come and it is, it, you don't know which way is up and which way is down. Can I, can I encourage you this morning? All is not lost. Today is a day of salvation. Today you can cry out to him and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sins. Empower me with your spirit so that I can actively, actually follow you and obey you and do what your word says. I've been praying for you all week that you would draw near to God and that the sermon would not push you toward condemnation away from God, but that you would draw near to him and say, I need Jesus today. I've also been praying for those in this room who say, well, I am a Christian and I've always been a Christian and... I've got it all together and thank God I'm not like those people around me whose houses have collapsed. That we would have the humility to do a little home inspection this morning and just ask, how is the foundation in my house? Are there any areas where I need to shore up that foundation and make sure that I'm acting upon the words of Jesus? Maybe the Lord has been moving you in a certain area. I was talking to someone earlier and they were saying, man, God is, God is in the first service. Just God impressed this on my heart. I know I'm supposed to do it and I've not been doing it. And she said, she goes, I've been walking in disobedience. Maybe God has put something in your heart and you, maybe it's lack of faith. Maybe, it's, maybe you're afraid people are gonna criticize you. Maybe you think that you don't have enough education to do it, but God has put something in your heart. Can I encourage you? Do what he is telling you to do. Obey him. In fact, this is when Christianity goes from being more, a boring and monotonous to becoming adrenaline pumping is when we every day lean in and say, Holy Spirit, how are you leading me today? How can I actively obey you today? What do you want me to do different today? How can I obey you today? Right? So would you stand to your feet?
I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm not going to do anything weird, but I just know for me, closing my eyes helps me to maybe keep a little better attention unless the pastor goes too long and then I fall asleep. So I'll try not to do that. If you're here today and you'd say, Ken, I, I have been building my life on the wrong foundation. And I recognize today that I need to build my life on Jesus. And I realize that he, Jesus, was crucified and risen for my sin. I need him to lead my life. Today, I wanna surrender my life to actually actively following after him. I need his forgiveness. I need him to be my Lord, to be my master. If that's you and, and you're just saying, I, I, I'm, do, I'm making this decision for the first time or maybe, maybe you're reaffirming a decision that you've made in the past. But if that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? If you're watching online, you can let us know online too. Yeah, I see you, I see you, I see you right there. I see you, I see you over there. I see you right there. Who else? Yeah, I see you over there. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you right there. Yep, I see you back there. Yeah, anybody else? Guys, there's hands all over. God loves you so much. Would you just pray with me? I'm gonna ask, and, and please realize it's not a formula prayer that saves you. It's not, well, you pray these exact words in this order and this is what's gonna save you. We know that, that it's out of the abundance of our heart. So would you, but I wanna give you a prompt because maybe you're going, I don't know how to do this. Can I just give you a prompt? Let's all pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the grave to show his authority over my sin. I've sinned against you. Come into my life, forgive me, lead me, empower me to do what you want me to do. I wanna follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Father, I pray not only for those who just raise their hands, I pray for all of us in this room. Holy Spirit, would you convict us? Would you show us the areas of our lives that are not in alignment with you? Would you show us the areas of, our, of our, the, the house of our lives, God, where our foundation is not built on your bedrock? And God, would you give us the courage to bring correction, to make changes, to have difficult conversations, God, give us the courage. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you go, real quickly, there's hands all over. If you raised your hand a moment ago, would you get that Connect card, that blue Connect card that I mentioned at the beginning of the service, and on the bottom it says, My Next Steps, would you do me a huge favor and just let us know that you're starting a relationship with Jesus or maybe you're reaffirming a relationship with Jesus that you've already had? That would help us so much as you're leaving. We have some good looking people in the back with the white buckets and you can stick those cards in the white buckets as you're leaving. Hey, we want you to come back next week. You do not want to miss it. God bless you guys. We will see you later on. Bye.